Hello there, my name is Lewis James, and I'm a composer, video game music enthusiast, and all-round nerd. Now, video game music has always inspired me and fascinated me throughout my life. For anyone that's counting, that's almost 30 years. The ability to immerse myself in different worlds, stories, and environments, and have the music act as a gateway to these mystical places never ceases to amaze me. So many boundaries have been broken in such a short space of time because of this medium. I invite you to join me as I analyse some of the greatest video game soundtracks of all time. Welcome to my Melodies of Life. Kept you waiting, huh? Well, you don't have to wait any longer. I just need to go through some admin first. Oh, wait, the jingle. First of all, my voice has definitely recovered a lot since the recording of the last episode. Thanks everyone for bearing with me while I go through that. I would have delayed the episode until I was better, but if I did, it would have been over two months since the last proper episode. I just didn't want to wait any longer due to logistical reasons. Speaking of which, let's not waste any more time here. Let's dive into the music of Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake. No, I do not mean Snake's Revenge on NES. As I said earlier, the NES version of Metal Gear does have its own sequel, but... That is not what we're discussing here. What we're discussing is Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake. Originally released for the MSX2 in 1990, exclusively in Japan. Western audiences wouldn't get a chance to officially experience this game until 2006, with the release of Metal Gear Solid 3 Subsistence. Anyone who listened to the last episode will already know that the first Metal Gear was also included. So you're getting three games in one. Not a bad deal. So, what has been going on in Solid Snake's life since the Outer Heaven Uprising? Where is he now? Let's read through the story synopsis and find out. By 1999, the Cold War had thawed, and it seemed nuclear proliferation would soon be a thing of the past. Despite this, all was not well in the world. A series of shocks to the oil market spurred the development of new high-tech energy sources, including fusion power. However, most vehicles still relied on oil. Oil reserves were at a critical low and the world community was prepared to take drastic measures, either by drilling into sand and shale for more oil, despite the difficulty, or moving on to renewable fuels. Such steps proved unnecessary when Czech scientist Dr. Kio Marv successfully bioengineered a new species of algae, oilix, that could produce petroleum-grade hydrocarbons with little expense and effort. Marv was on his way to a demonstration in the United States when he was kidnapped by soldiers from Zanzibar land. NATO discovered that Zanzibar land's leaders planned to hold the world hostage 
by controlling the supply of oil, and some good old-fashioned nuclear brinkmanship courtesy of a stockpile of nukes. Solid Snake was brought out of retirement by Foxhound's new commander, Roy Campbell, and was sent to Zanzibarland to rescue Dr. Marv. I can already tell that the focus on the story is a lot more emphasised compared to the first game. Whoever has played Metal Gear Solid or are aware of the story beats the game follows will be aware that Metal Gear Solid borrows a lot from Metal Gear 2, but not too much for it to become a carbon copy. This is also reflected on the soundtrack as well. The music that I used during the synopsis is the theme of Solid Snake, which you hear during the game's introduction. Sadly, Snake will only have this theme exclusively in Metal Gear 2 and he will have different themes in subsequent games. I love Snake's later themes, don't get me wrong, but part of me thinks it is a shame that this is the case. I really like this theme. Not too light on the high-octave instruments while also keeping the bass amplified and present. Perfect for bringing the mental state of a stealth operative to life. Calm, collective, while also alert and always moving. Who's the composer? I... don't know. According to my research, the music for Metal Gear 2 was a collective effort by the in-house Konami Kukeha Club. Past and present members include both Iku Mizutani and Kazuki Moroka, the composers behind the music of Metal Gear, and Akira Yamaoka, the mastermind composer behind the Silent Hill soundtrack. No credit is given to the individual composers in said club who worked on Metal Gear 2 specifically. Ah oh well, you know what they say, when life gives you lemons, make awesome video game music, like this one. Now that's more like it. This is Zanzibar Breeze, the first piece of music you hear when you start the game proper. You can tell just by listening to this and the theme of Solid Snake alone that the developers and the composers started to get familiar with what the MSX2 can be capable of, and use that knowledge to the best of their ability. The texture is so much more rounded now compared to what we've heard from the previous game. On top of that, the 80s action movie influences definitely showing here. All of the ingredients of a soundtrack fit for a camera-loving war-torn hero are present. Soft percussion, rhythmic bass, melodies and harmonies that accentuate the resilience and can-do attitude that our one-man army possesses. When a soldier like Solid Snake comes out of an event like the Outer Heaven Uprising single-handedly, there's no denying that his experience up to this point moulded him to a soldier that would have all of this in spades. A feature from the previous game that has returned here and has since evolved to become a staple in the entire Metal Gear series is the codex screen. Using this pauses the game and will allow Snake to communicate with his superiors and any other allies he may meet on his mission. There will be occasions where Campbell will call Snake out of the blue to inform you of something important before you carry on. As this is a regular occurrence, 
I can see why the music you hear when infiltrating the main building is called frequency 140.85, after the codec frequency that Campbell uses to contact Snake. Now the environment has become more narrow and industrial compared to the wide open spaces of the Zanzibar land fields. I feel like the melody has decided to take more of a proverbial back seat because of this and allow everything else around it to have their time to shine. The counter melody is a personal highlight of mine. It reminds me of the typical site of supercomputers that would be found in a high security military base which are mostly always accompanied by the occasional bleeps and bloops that are expressed when processing commands that keep the base running. When a base such as this is used to revive the Metal Gear project, a bipedal tank capable of firing nuclear weapons from any terrain, then I would not want the electricity bill to land on my lap, that's for sure. The enemy AI has been vastly improved in this game as well. Not only can it detect noise from the player, but can now turn the enemy's heads independently from their bodies, allowing a wider field of vision. This may seem like child's play nowadays, but this was a huge upgrade at the time. So now you have a chance to be extra careful not to draw attention. <laughs> now do you understand what I mean? Fine, I'll play level 3 warning. Remember when I said that I didn't know if the music wanted you to run away or take the enemy head on last time? Um, I can definitely take the hint here. The synthesized instruments that are included in this soundtrack just oozes tension and that feeling of, oh no, I just made a mistake, what do I do now? I hope that makes sense. Anyway, that doesn't matter right now. If my memory from the previous game serves me correctly, I can just run to another screen and I am safe. Why is this music still playing? Why are soldiers still after me? Are you telling me I can be chased across rooms now? Uh, help. Of course, a Metal Gear game can't be complete without memorable boss encounters. So to wrap up this episode, let's listen to what Metal Gear 2 has to offer with the aptly named Killers. Now we have an elongated introduction that gives the characters time to do all of their monologuing and trash talk before the music suddenly starts to kick into gear and allow the fight to officially start. Now the bosses have the capacity to say more than one line and can have more character development as a result. What can I say? This is a monumental improvement. I'm already visualizing different scenarios where this track would be perfect for an accompaniment. Not just a one-to-one -one shootout, maybe a 
hide-and-seek situation against a tank, or a fistfight in the middle of a minefield. I've said too much. Can an MSX2 game's soundtrack mature this much in only three years? I can't accurately describe to you the look of shock and surprise on my face when I realized that the soundtracks from Metal Gear 1 and 2 were from the same console generation. Bravo, Konami Kukeha Club. You've done yourselves proud here. Everyone, I urge you, find a copy of the Metal Gear Solid HD collection and give this a go. I tried my absolute hardest to avoid spoilers for anyone who may have the mildest of curiosities about the franchise. Not only is the overarching story that spans across the franchise one of the greatest stories in modern times, at least in my opinion, it is the game that has become both the foundation and stepping stone for a PlayStation mainstay that rivals the likes of Final Fantasy VII and Resident Evil 2. Metal Gear Solid is finally upon us. You just have to wait two more weeks before I bring my analysis to one of the most recognisable video game soundtracks of the past quarter century that is not Final Fantasy VII. I may have to start making the rest of the episodes for this series multi-parters just like last year. There is a lot of material here that doesn't just include fan favourites, but personal favourites of mine as well. So I must ask your forgiveness in advance if I end up missing a potential favourite of yours. I do not want to give too much away for anyone who wants to experience everything I've covered here for themselves, as I'm sure I've explained before. But leaving a suggestion or letting me know your favourite pieces by engaging with the podcast on social media will definitely give me an idea on where to take the podcast in the future. At LJ Composer on Twitter. While you're at it, sharing this episode, rating and subscribing to My Melodies of Life helps me out significantly. I've also just started up a coffee account, if anyone is so inclined to support me financially. I'll leave a link for that in the description of this episode. Another way to support me is by visiting my website, lewisjamesmusic.com, for checking out all of my own music, sending me an email. Even if it's just a small note, I welcome the engagement wholeheartedly. I'll be back soon. Until next time... This has been a Lewis James production of My Melodies of Life. <laughs>